Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, June the 10th, 2023. It is currently 4.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where currently it's 100 degrees. In fact, it may be 101 now. I think it's supposed to go to 102. It is hot outside. Let me just tell you, it is hot. That means it's going to get very warm inside this studio quickly because whenever I go live, I have to turn off uh, the air conditioning unit behind me because I feel like it makes too much noise. Now, uh, we've done some testing and some of you say, oh no, I can't hear a thing. But at least in my mind, I'm more focused on, I wonder if they can hear that. I wonder if I can hear that than focusing on what I'm supposed to be saying. So for me, it's better to turn it off. And uh, well, it's it's going to get really hot in here. Not only is it going to get hot in here because of the temperature, some of you are not going to like this episode. So some of you may get very upset with me as well. But let's do this. Let's talk about two things today in this episode. Number one, let's talk about church growth techniques, church growth techniques, and politics. Now, I don't know your experience in the Christian life, but for me, I can remember the 1990s being a a, a time where a lot of debate, and this went into the 2000s as well, but I just really feel like in the 90s, we started hearing a lot about these church growth movements. Everyone coming up with these techniques and how to grow your church and books were being written. Now, I know there's always probably been a, some of that to some degree, but I just felt like it really started catching on in the 90s into the 2000s. You were going to go, are we going to follow the Willow Creek model, the Saddleback model? Like every, you know, whichever, uh, whichever church grew to some kind of large mega church, they would have their philosophy or their steps in which you are to utilize if you want to grow your church. And then they would have conferences and there would be books and DVDs and, and it would be an entire merchandise of, of you going, paying money to learn how to grow your church. And then you would come back and try to put forth those principles in order to grow your church. And let's be honest, many of those church growth techniques, whatever you may want to think about them spiritually, they were they worked in growing churches. Now, what a lot of people found is, uh, yeah, you turn your church into a circus, you attract these large crowds, and uh, there was lots of criticism about it, right? Because a lot of people said, hey, what you win them with is what you win them to. What you win them with is what you're going to have to keep giving them to keep them, right? What you're, you're, if you're going to give them fun, food, activity, a big, you know, smoke and, and mirrors and, and a big stage show, and, 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 and you're going to have to keep giving them that. Giving them that. And so what a, a lot of criticism was, these church growth methods may build a church that may be, you know, all of these people, but there's no depth. There's no substance. It's all just a facade. It's all a show. It's all vain. It, it, you've created this large thing, but there's no doctrine, theology, church history. And I criticized a lot of that. When I first became a pastor, I was, I was, you know, the anti-church growth person. I was like, look, there are, 
you know, here in the Abilene, Texas area, there's probably 250 churches within within the city of Abilene and maybe about a 25, 50 mile radius. I mean, there's churches everywhere. The, the joke here, there's a church on every street corner here in Abilene, Texas, three Christian universities. I mean, there's churches everywhere. And so when I was called to this, like you know, these people starting this new church, I was like, okay, if you want me, we're not going to do it like any other church. We're not following any of the templates. We're throwing out, we're not going to be like any single church around us. When anyone walks into this church, they're going to know that I told you someone was going to call. I told you someone was going to call in the middle of this broadcast, uh, right before we went live. Yeah, okay. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I told you. I told you that was going to happen. I told you. Okay. So, uh, uh, I knew that. I knew, I knew it. See, I, to- uh, right before we went live, um, we were doing kind of the pre-show and I mentioned someone is going to call during this broadcast. I knew it was going to happen. Um, so, so frustrating, uh, so frustrating. Hang on. I'm going to text them. Okay. Hang on. One second. I knew it was going to happen. All right. So, so, um, so going back to my whole issue with uh, the church growth movement. So when I became a pastor, so when I became a pastor, um, I was like, Hey, we're not going to be like any church. So we did things completely different. Basically what I would tell people, look, if you're coming here, the only thing I have for you is the in-depth, the in-depth teaching of God's word. We're going to teach doctrine, theology, church history. There's not going to be any fun, food, fellowship, activities. This is going to be radically different. And back then I was criticized a lot because they were like, it's more, uh, people would criticize it. First, I would have pastors saying, you can't teach that stuff there. The people will never get it. And I would like, don't tell me what my people can and can't get. And then I'd be told it's more of a seminary than a church. And I would hear all the criticisms, but my response was always, be, why can't we, why can't there be a church that does it different? Why do I have to try to follow the template? Oh, you got to do that. You got to have this activity. You got to have this. You got to do this. And. It's got to have this fellowship and this activity. You got to have a picnic. And you, and, and no, I don't have to do any of that. We are a church gathered for the equipping of the saints. Uh, so they will no longer be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and they're being equipped for the work of ministry. The end. That's it. And if you want fun, food, and activity, when church is over, get together, have all the fun, food, and activity you want. You can go camping. You can get together. You can go sit in the park. You can play. You can go swimming, fishing, hunting. You can get together and and quilt a blanket, whatever you want to do. You just don't need the church to organize it, to structure it, to, to do anything with it. The church is where we come for the word of God. So I was very much outside of the whole church growth movement. And many conservative churches condemned the church growth movement. I mean, outright condemned it. And they're like, Jesus said he would build his church. We need to preach the word of God. We don't need to use fleshly man-made techniques in order to grow the church. And guess what? I would applaud that and say amen to that. So there was really a divide those who were kind of standing for a very conservative, biblical kind of approach to church versus those who took a more modern approach to church, much more a social element to it than just teaching. And so then there were those who kind of modify it. There was be those a little in between. There were some of us who were still, you know, not going to give an inch. 
But the divide, and really that kind of came down to the regulative principle versus the normative principle. There were lots of theological issues. And then, and then I felt something started changing. Some of the debates and wars that were happening in churches, I felt were theological and about how worship should or shouldn't be done and what techniques should you use or shouldn't use for the church. But I felt that all of the issues were very theological. And then slowly but surely, the church started becoming more and more political, more and more political. And I started referencing it as the political hijacking of the American church, that the American church was becoming politically hijacked and that Christians, even though they still wanted to talk about Jesus, talk about the Bible and quote scripture, more and more they were abandoning biblical Christianity for a politically hijacked Christianity. They were still calling it biblical Christianity, but Christianity was being hijacked. In fact, it was being like, it, it was basically being co-opted in a sense that you were saying, hey, I know this is Christianity, but now this is Christianity. And well, some of us are like, no, 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 no. Get your political hijacking out of my church. Get, get it, get it out. I don't want it. I'm not. And so I w- started standing against the political hijacking of the church. So like, no, just as I was opposed to the church growth techniques, I don't want the church and politics merge together. Keep the politics out. We preach the word of God. We're not Republicans. We're not Democrats. We are Christians. We are not fighting a culture war. We're fighting a spiritual war. We're not trying to impose a Christian state upon unbelievers. We're calling unbelievers to faith in Christ. Then once they're baptized, then we teach them, Christians, to obey the things that God has taught. We're not trying to impose a Christian world on the unregenerate. It's not what we're called to do. It's not, that's not in the commission, the great commission. So I have been yelling and screaming about this. It feels like a, a large portion of my Christian life about the political hijacking of the church. Obviously, as you got closer to 2016, it just exploded. And now trying to fight it is like standing in front of a tidal wave. You're just, you're going to just, you're just going to get wiped out. You're just, there's just no way. So, but I continue to try to do so. Well, now something weird has happened. Now, I, I, this is only one report. So there's not been some extensive study on this. There's no way to 100% say this is, this is the wave of the future, but I wanted to at least bring this up today. We will talk about it more in depth at a later time. And I do apologize for the FaceTime interruption there. I do apologize for that. It, it makes me really upset, but hopefully it won't take away from this discussion. But I saw the article right about the time, maybe just a few minutes before someone emailed it to me. And when they emailed it to me, they said something like, this is what you've been talking about for a long time. And I'm like, I, I just saw it. I was going to go live. I've been waiting to go live because I knew someone was going to call me. And, and well, then I, after about two hours of waiting, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go live. And then, of course, what happens? All right, but here we go. This is from the Religion News Service. With Turning Point Faith, pastors use politics as a church growth strategy. Is that not insane? (laughs) 
Now, politics has become the church growth strategy. Now, again, I don't know how widespread this is. I'm by no means making any definitive declaration about the overall direction of the church. I will stand, I will stand and be dogmatic that the overall church in the United States of America has become politically hijacked. They're involved in culture wars and politics, not in spirit, and they'll claim it's spiritual war, but they're fighting it from a political standpoint, not from a spiritual standpoint. And the church has become now more known for its political it's, it's politics, then it is, it's theology. When the world hates us, not because of Christ, but because of Trump. When the world hates us, not because we're preaching scripture, but because we're trying to impose a Christian world upon the unregenerate, we've lost the plot. But now some out there are like, hey, 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 politics is the way to grow the church. Now, I'm not saying they don't believe their message. I just think it's frightening that politics is becoming a church growth concept. Here is a little bit from the article. It's a very long article. We will definitely approach this again, but I want you to just at least be aware of this. For a growing number of evangelical pastors, embracing right-wing rhetoric is seen as a way to put more people in the pews and it may be working. Now, let me make it very clear. If your church starts embracing right-wing rhetoric or left-wing rhetoric, get out of the church because it's no law. We are not there to give right-wing or left-wing rhetoric. We're there to preach the word of God. We're there to teach doctrine, theology, church history. We're there to teach people hermeneutics. We're there to teach people how to study the Bible. We're there to dig into the text. We're there to give them Christ and bring, bring in a sense, the people to Christ and Christ to the world. That's what we're there to do. Here we go. Trump rallies replete as they are with prayer and passionate crowds, are said to have a tendency to turn into something resembling an evangelical Christian church service. Well, if your church service looks like a Trump rally, you need to leave your church. That's my feelings, all right? But at Phoenix Dream Church City, or at Phoenix Dream City Church, it's it's the other way around. One evening in May, hundreds gathered at the cavernous megachurch to attend Freedom Night in America, co-organized by Dream City's leaders and the conservative activist group Turning Point USA. Around those buzzing about the entryway were draped innumerable variations of the U.S. flag from traditional red, white, and blue, black and white versions of Old Glory blazoned with the word freedom, hats read simply 45 for Donald Trump, the 45th United States president, and shirts carried the slogan, Jesus is my savior, Trump is my president. Look, if you go into a church and it looks like that, run for your life. Just run, scream, just like run for your life. That's pure, utter hijacking of the church. of The church is the bride of Christ. It doesn't belong to a political leader. It doesn't belong to a country. The church is not pro-America. It's pro-Christ. It's not pro-Trump. It's pro-Jesus. And when your church has got flags all over the place and it's political and it's patriotic, that's trash. That's utter trash. It does not belong inside the church. 
This is the very thing conservatives used to scream about. Oh, look, the church has, this church is using secular music in their, in their, their music service and they're doing this. Look at this. It's a circus. They're, these things don't belong in the church. Well, neither does the American flag and your politics. If you're going to yell and scream because a pastor is well wearing skinny jeans or not preaching at, a, at an actual pulpit or is using the Beatles or, or Deep Purple or ACDC and you're furious because like, how dare they play that music? Well, then they, then they, like, that's the thing. Once you start allowing things in the church that don't belong, who are you to then stop it later on? And you can't condemn others for bringing things into the church that don't belong when you're bringing different things in the church that don't belong. How about we just have a very strong standard that none of that belongs in the church, period. There you go, man. That Wow, that's, you know, how about uh, instead of turning youth departments into looking like, I don't know, because you remember there was that fad for a while that you would go into the youth department and they would have games and like couches so that they could all lounge around and video game systems. And it's like, that's not the church. There need to be tables, chairs, Bibles, Bible dictionaries, Bible atlases, commentaries, Bible encyclopedias. For cry- it's a church for crying out loud. It's not the teenage cool place to hang out playing video games with their friends. But see, once you start that, where do you stop it? Inside the service was heavy on praise and worship music, much of it led by a singer in an uncanceled shirt. At the altar call, Brad Baker, one of Dream City's pastors, told the crowd he dreamed of a U.S. built on the principles of God. See, this is nationalism. We're believing that God is going to turn Arizona into a Christian state and will be known as a Christian state around the world. That's our goal. If you want it to be a Christian state, get rid of the American flag and the politics and preach Christ to the people. When they become Christians, then there's your Christianity. Now we're going to get the right people voted into office so that we can impose Christianity upon the unregenerate. The main event, however, was the pulpit talk given by Char. They call it a pulpit, pulpit talk. I wouldn't even call it a pulpit talk because you have no reason being behind a pulpit. But that's that's a whole different story, right? Because it's going to be political. Uh, given by Charlie Kirk, the fresh-faced 29-year-old founder of Turning Point USA, he began with an impassioned defense of Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host who had been fired days before praising a video uh, uh, before praising a video Carlson posted to Twitter after the show was canceled in which he held forth the importance of truth and media. Yeah. Tucker Carlson, who said all kinds of things off camera, like I don't like Trump. This, and, and then on camera was saying something completely different, but Hey, we're going to praise Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson, who's promoted all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories. Let's promote him. Tucker Carlson, who was putting forth a lie that I don't know, Fox News was sued for how many millions of dollars? Didn't they pay out like $757 million to settle that case from the Dominion voting system? Oh, yeah. because But wait, I thought Fox News had the evidence. Why would you settle? Go to court and prove that it was the election was rigged. Oh, yeah, you caved because you didn't have it. You knew it was false. And off camera, you knew it was false. But that's what's happening in a church. Tucker Carlson being defended. And he goes, that is Christianity. (laughs) 
he, he points to a video of Carlson and that is Christianity. That is the promise of Christ. No, okay. Okay. I, either that quote is taken so far out of context or that is the most frightening thing I've ever heard because nothing on Fox News, nothing about Tucker Carlson. That is not Christianity. Events like Dream City's Freedom Nights are becoming more regular at evangelical megachurches. A few weeks earlier, Kirk appeared at Awaken Church in San Marcos, California, where he listed the founding of the U.S. alongside Christ's resurrection and a litany of the most important events in history. And a few weeks before, he spoke at Calvary Chapel, China Hills, where he chastised Christians who have gone along with the environmental agenda because of bad theology. His speeches satisfy the long-standing evangelical commingling of right-wing politics and Christian ministry. But Turning Point USA is also a, is also pitching a turn toward the culture war and what critics say is Christian nationalism and a way to fill the pews. And in places like Phoenix, it looks like it's working. Please note, they're going to utilize the culture war and the commingling of Christianity with politics to fill the pews. And I have literally been saying that what we're going to do is we're going to wake up. I don't know how, I don't, and I think we're already there in many churches. You're going to wake up and your church is just a political thing. It's just become a political institution. It's a church now driven by political ideology and culture wars. And you're going to be like, what happened to my church? Your church may be growing. It may have went from a hundred to 500. It may have a nicer building, nicer equipment and more activities. But if the church is becoming nothing more than an arm of the Republican party or a, I don't know, a spokesman for Fox News or Newsmax or Alex Jones for crying out loud, then it's no longer a church. And this article goes on for a very long ways talking about all of this. We will talk about this more, but here's what I want you to consider. I just want you to think about this. I believe it's well established now that the church is, is they call it co-mingling, has been hijacked by political ideology. I think the church is being more recognized for its politics than, than its savior. I think the church is moving in a much more political, political, political direction. And I think we're going to see this, especially as we move to the next general election, it's going to get worse. And if Trump gets not only, I mean, he's indicted, if he's found guilty and goes to jail, I don't even know what's going to happen. Everything's going to spiral completely out of control. All right. I believe, I believe, and, but, and I believe Christians are going to get pulled right into this. But here's the thing. This has been true of every church growth movement in history. If your method, if your movement does directly bring more people into the church, but you're bringing them into the church, not with the preaching of Christ, not with the teaching of God's word, but with something other, then who cares how much it grows? Because what you win them with is what you win them to. And if you're winning them with right-wing rhetoric, if you're winning them with QAnon conspiracy, if you're winning them with political talking points, if you're winning them with Trump and patriotism, what are you winning them to? You're winning them to a, a basically a, well, it is a secular ideology, not to the gospel. 
And what you went on with is what you're going to have to keep giving them. So you're going to have to keep giving them more and more politics, more and more politics. Well, who cares if the church went from 100 to 1,000? Stop being a church. Just put Republican Party on the on the building. Remove the cross and put the symbol for, uh, for Republicans on it. Now people say, no, 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 no. It's because we love Jesus. They'll still, they're going to still call it Christian, but it's not going to be Christian anymore. Now this article goes on to talk about some churches and their, their massive growth or at least one or two churches. I think they give an example of growth that they have found by turning more to political things. And I think there is a large segment of the evangelical church right now. I don't know if I can't say it's the majority, but there's a large segment of it that's becoming so political that I'm sorry. I, I don't want to, I don't have no part of it. I want no part of it. No part of it. None. 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 If that's the direction Christianity is, is going, or I, I'll call it churchianity, then I want no part of the church. None of it. Because I'm not going to participate in that. You hear Christians talk today and they're so politically minded. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. I, I wanted to go far uh, into this a little deeper but as we heard in this broadcast, I have people trying to call me. So I, had, I already had to message them as I was talking, saying, hey, I'll call you right back. I wanted to present this. We will expound on it more. But I just want you to ask yourself, do you believe politics will become basically the new church growth movement? You grow your church by bringing in the politics. So there was a time many pastors were afraid. No, no, I don't want to address these political issues because it's going to be devices of the church. But if pastors now will think, wait a minute, I'll bring in the politics. Oh, I'm going to lose some people. But if I'm going to gain two or 300, well, then go for it, especially if the pastor's already becoming more and more politically minded than theologically minded. Are we going to see more? Of Where do, I mean, I'm just, I, I don't want to make any dogmatic assertions. Where do you think it's going? Is this showing us the, the way of the, uh, the, of the church over the next five years? I think the next five years, the church becomes more political. I think at some point there's going to be a backlash. I think at some point it will implode. I don't know where. I don't know what the next thing will be. But right now, we're getting ready to see churches are being defined by their po political stance, their patriotism more than their theological, their theological beliefs or, or even their, their faithfulness to Christ. Now there's always going to be there's always going to be those who who will oppose that move. Praise God for everyone that will. I'm talking just in general, okay? I'm not talking every single church. Something to consider. I would love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Um, oh, look, uh, I would challenge you to do this. Look for the article so you can read it all yourself because it's a lot longer than what I was able to cover. Uh, go to, yeah, I'm getting all kinds of uh, now messages for people trying to get my attention. Religionnews.com. Religionnews.com. The article was published today, June, or no, yesterday, June the 9th. It is entitled, With Turning Point Faith, Pastors Use Politics as a Church 
growth strategy. Look it up, read it for yourself, and tell me what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I'm going to go now yell at everybody like, why are you calling me while I'm on the air? Okay, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but I am just going to, what can I do for you? How may I serve you today? How can I be of assistance? Thank you for ruining my program. No, I'm not, I'm not going to mention my program. I'm not. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. All right. <laughs> but now, the rest of the day, I'm going to be like, I've got nothing done today because that broadcast don't. Should I delete the broadcast? You tell me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Tell me, delete it or don't delete it? Now, if you say delete it because I don't agree with you, no, delete it because of the FaceTime call that came on. I should have just answered it live on the air. Going, hey, say hello to everyone. You're live on the air today. Thank you for calling. Now share your opinion. Okay. No. It's, it's, uh, I, I know what it's about. It's, it's 101 degrees outside. People want to use my pool. That's what people want. All right. Everyone have a great day. God bless.